Hello, everyone, and welcome to True Crime Girl Time, episode 22. It feels like 25, but it is episode 22. I'm Ansley. And I'm Brittany. Sorry for leaving you guys hanging for like almost three weeks. I feel like we kind of took like a summer vacation, except horrible things when technology happened and everything was really falling apart. It's fine. It's really fun. It was, yeah, it was so weird because yesterday I was thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, like I literally cannot handle all of these malfunctions. And I was like, I feel so stressed out. Like, like we need to take a break from the podcast. Like I just need like a week to not have to deal with these malfunctions. And then I was like, well, wait a second. To the listeners, we've been taking a break, but really we've been working this whole time. It's just been for nothing. Exactly. And there were lots of tears in this little break, summer break that we had. It really wasn't a break. Feels oh like oh, everything was just so falling apart. But some really cool things have happened. We had our Atlanta meetup, our ATL meetup, and that was a lot of fun. We met some really cool people, um, people that we didn't even know. I don't know. That was really cool to just have somebody walk up to be up to you and be like, hey, are you here for the meetup? And you're like, yes. It was just so much fun. We also released our new t-shirts, cute little skulls and floral design. Those are super cute. They come in three different colors, gray, white, and pink. And those are on our Instagram and our discussion group. Also, we released our koozies. We have those for purchase. Order one, look cute, and also send us a pic because I want to see them. We released our Patreon. We're so excited. Um, Mimi's getting a murder mini episode. And all of you love Mimi as much as I do. And she's really excited about it. I think she talked about doing the Levi Friday case next. I just have to go and record it with her and then we will release it on our Patreon. So I think that's at the $10 level. Join our Patreon. You can go to our website at www.truecrimegirltimepodcast.com and hit the Patreon tab and sign up there. And that's all I have for announcements. I feel like I've said this a million times. Everything that the listeners are about to hear, it's we've said it <laughs> so many <laughs> times. It's almost like deja vu. Like when you get that minute, wait, hasn't this happened before? And in fact, it has like seven times. Okay, so I have a very different episode for you guys. Um, I know I put a little spoiler alert out today for it to be released tomorrow. Well, today now, because you're listening to it today. And now my mind is like really twisted because now I don't know what I'm talking about. So you guys know it's about the Janes of Georgia. And let's go ahead and get started. Are you ready to hear this for like the 50th time? I am ready. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> is... I'm nervous because we, I feel like we already, uh, this is so frustrating because we already talked about it and we already talked about our feelings about it and like asked our questions and stuff. I don't know, just like general things that we wonder or whatever. And yeah, but maybe so, this will yeah. pull out a whole entire different perspective that you didn't see the first time. Because, you know, when you read about these stories or when you watch a movie, sometimes it doesn't pull out the same perspective. And you're like, oh, I missed that the first go round. It was nice yeah. to listen to it again and have like a different perspective. So maybe that's how this episode will go. I hope it's how this episode will go. I hope so, too. Okay, so let's start. And first off, I want to go ahead and say I got all of this information from NamUs and from the Doe Network. All of them are super good at providing information for people who are missing or unidentified remains. So I want to go ahead and credit them to this episode. And their link to the does that I'm talking about will be linked in the show notes as well. So let's talk about DeKalb County. 
On September 17, 1993, police are called to DeKalb County, Georgia for what seemed to be human remains located right behind a building on Randwood Drive near La Vista Road and I-285. They arrive at the scene and find an almost completely skeletonized body, which they determined to estimate had been deceased for at least three months. How, I mean, I know this is kind of vulgar, but like, how do people not smell that? Yeah, because especially for how long she was out there. Like, exactly. And the fact that that's nobody... DeKalb County. Yeah. There's like, how did everywhere. nobody just go behind that building in that three months? That seems like exactly. Suspicious. I, mean, I was trying to think if it was like around a holiday or something, but it's not. It's September 17th. So, so it's kind of falls. It's like it is right now. Exactly. So they arrive. It's so freaking hot. (laughs) It's so hot. Medical examiners determined that the body was that of a woman. Investigators claimed the woman was most likely between the ages of 20 to 40 years old and stood in an estimated between 5 foot 4 inches and 5 foot 7 inches and weighed around 115 to 140 pounds when she was alive. She had long curly light brown hair which seemed to have a frosted tint to it and by this I mean I'm thinking that she might have had some hair dye applied to her hair maybe some bleaching process um to create like that frosted look in the reconstruction it almost looks like they're highlight not really like frosted that's how that's how NamUs and John Doe Network described it but it's more of like a highlight to me when you see it on the reconstruction and well, I'll post those to our Instagram as well. Now that I think about it, I didn't touch it the first time. So this is what you were saying. Because we, you and I were going back and forth about the frosted thing and whether that meant that her hair, because I thought that meant maybe her hair had an ashier tint. Like maybe she was in the, on the older end of that age range that they provided. But now that I'm thinking about it, frosted is exactly the right word because this was the 90s and frosted tips and like frosted highlights were the thing. Exactly, exactly. And I also definitely have highlights. Exactly. I think to that time when I was in high school, and you know, I most of the time did my hair. I know this is so bad. And hairstylist, I'm so sorry if you're listening, but this is like nails on a chalkboard to them. I used to buy (laughs) the box dye like at Kroger, and they had the little cap that you could put on and like pull out pieces of your hair and then dye them. And that was called a frosting kit. So yeah. I can see that. DeKalb County Jane Doe was wearing a black t-shirt that read KLN Dome on the inside collar tag. I researched this, but I didn't really have any luck except for maybe a Dutch Airlines, which I don't know how, I don't know how accurate that is, but that's all I could find when I searched it. It was the first thing that came up, KLM Dutch Airlines. It but almost reminds the- me of like a, like a radio station. It does, like KLM. Did that sound yeah. like a radio station? Am I yeah. good at that? Should I, should we have a radio station? Someone, hire Ansley. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm taking on the radio network. Okay. <laughs> First podcast, now radio. Let's go. Oh, no, please, no. Okay, so <laughs> on the front of the shirt, this might have made more sense with the whole airlines thing. Because on the front of the shirt was the word And this is a Hawaiian word, so I'm probably not saying it right, and I do apologize, but it's Waikola, W-A-I-K-O-L-A. 
which is in the northwestern part of Hawaii. So it might have been tied to an airline's. I don't know about the whole Dutch thing. I don't know like what region that airlines would go to and if they would even go to Hawaii. I have no idea. Not travel savvy or anything like that. Me either. The the whole map thing and like geography is not my thing. I'm like, uh, yeah. They're like, which way are you going? North or South? I'm like, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Not really sure. Casey does a lot of work at the airport and... So he thinks that like traveling around the like, you know, just like making your way through the airport is no big deal. I get to the airport and I'm like, ah, ah, I don't ah, mm, I don't even know what that sign means. What is a terminal? I don't know. Everything is like backwards. And now I'm getting on a super fast like underground train and everything is just horrible. The airport, in my mind, is like synonymous with anxiety. No, that's how I am too. Okay, so on the front of her shirt was that word. So maybe the Association of Hawaii and this airlines, I don't know. But also she was wearing a pair of blue jeans that were a size eight and blue and red cross training type shoes, which on the left shoe on the inside, it was marked with XJ900, which I tried to do a little Google search on that shoe to try to see like maybe when they were made or if how many of them were made. And I didn't come up with anything. So that was a rabbit hole. As One is of the, most everything we look at. <laughs> exactly. Especially with these Jane Doe's. Like there's a lot of stuff that just like doesn't make sense or you can't really find the answers to. But that's really why I'm doing this case is to like grab awareness of all of these things that are happening. And if you live in Georgia in your backyard, I mean, there's Jane Doe's everywhere. I pulled up the map on the Doe Network and it's crazy. I didn't even know about them. And I do a lot of true crime research. So that's really why I'm doing this episode as well. So one of the major identifying features or what police thought might ID this Jane Doe was that she seemed to have surgery. Not just any surgery, but sometime in her life, she had undergone a full hip replacement on her left hip. The hardware that consisted of screws and plates had been visible when the body was found, so she seemed to be taking care of herself or someone was likely taking care of her. We've talked about this before, obviously, because we've already recorded this episode, but... In 1993, the push for medical records or really anything to go fully electronic hadn't even been thought about. So the likelihood of a serial number or anything on these hardware pieces in her hip were really unlikely that they would still be available today. I don't really know when the time that we started doing the whole electronic thing and like really writing things down and keeping track of what hardware went into someone's body when they had surgery like this happen. I did some research on it and I I really couldn't find anything. So the likelihood of them matching this hardware with someone is really unlikely. Yeah, that's really frustrating. It's like, I wonder if there had been medical records or a serial number on one of the parts that was in her hip replacement and maybe that is what would have led to her identity then possibly like to finding out whatever happened to her so I want to think that somewhere out there on a piece of paper is her name but the likelihood of that surviving like all these years really doesn't seem very likely because I think I think in Georgia yeah I if (laughs) We do a lot of medical record stuff with the job that I work at or the job that I have. But I think in Georgia, it's either 20 or 10. I can't remember. 10 years. I think it's 10. 10 years that you have to keep the medical records 
in like the doctor's office or the dentist's office or whatever. So really, they could have had it, but at some time they didn't legally have to have it. So they might have like shredded it or whatever or sent it to like a storage unit to save space for incoming records and stuff like that. So who knows? But I want to believe that her name is somewhere out there on some medical record, but I don't know the likelihood of that. But the other thing for Jane Doe was that she had some dental work in her past. She had a fixed gold bridge, two full gold crowns, and both of her front upper teeth were fused to metal crowns, which I had to look up. And I'm not a dentist or anything, but it looks like this person (laughs) probably would have spent a lot of time in the dentist office. Yeah, I think with, I mean, I don't think you have to be a dentist to know that she has dental work. So (laughs) she went to a dentist, like... (laughs) But I feel like this would have, t- that would have taken a lot of time. I don't think that like things like that would happen just in one day. I know when I had some surgery right before I got my braces, I had some teeth removed to get some devices put in. So one day I would have like this tooth removed and then I would have to wait like maybe a week to let that heal and then come back in and get like that device for my, um, for my mouth. So I think they would have seen her a lot. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like this would have been like several visits and procedures or whatever it is that they would have had to do. Exactly. So a clay reconstruction was done on what the victim might have looked like. And that was done by investigator Sam Buse. And a reconstruction was also done, which is like a sketch. So the first one was a clay reconstruction. And the second one was done by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Yep. Am I right? Okay. I always Mm -hmm. get it wrong, Um, which I will release the link to on our show notes as well and put on all of our social media for you guys to look at. Also, if there's anybody who thinks that this might be someone close to them or maybe a family friend or you've seen this person before or even just feel like they sound familiar, um, I encourage you to call the DeKalb County Police Department. So the other Jane Doe that I'm going to tell you about is the Fulton County Jane Doe. And she was found in 1988. This one really rocked the community when people discovered that there was a severely beaten woman found clinging to life in a field between I-20 West and I-285 in Atlanta on January 13, 1988. When Fulton County Jane Doe was found, she was suffering from a critical head injury and on the very last breaths of her life. Near the body was a brown overcoat, blue jeans, thermal underwear because it was January, a gray vest, a nightgown, and white underwear. On the NamUs website, it had me think that those were apart from Jane Doe, maybe like found near where she was, but not on her body. The only things on her body were her shoes and a watch bracelet. So I'm not sure how accurate that was. I read some articles where it said that the clothes were found on her and she was wearing all of those things. And then on the NamUs website, I found where it said those were near her. After she was found, she was transported to Grady Memorial in hopes that they could save her life and figure out what her name was and what had happened to her. Jane Doe only survived five days until she succumbed to her injuries and her death was ruled a homicide by blunt force trauma. Jane Doe was five foot two inches and 102 pounds and she had green eyes and dark reddish um, blonde hair. Well, examiners estimated that she was Caucasian and in the range of 30 to 40 years of age. They think she was beaten only a few hours before she was found in the field. Just like our DeKalb County 1993 Jane Doe, she had an identifying feature. 
a tattoo. On the back of her right hand, she had the word Jesus followed by an apostrophe, as well as some gold caps on her two back teeth. There were also some scars present on her right lower abdomen, as well as her right forearm. So back to the tattoo. And we've talked about this before, but I do want to point it out again. I feel like this is such an identifying feature because not a lot of people that I know have tattoos on the front of their hand. And as we've talked about before, um, <laughs> this, when you're talking or when you're grabbing things, more than likely people would, that would be visible to them. So I feel like that would have been remembered if she came in contact with someone and maybe shook their hand or grabbed something off of the counter at a gas station or whatever it was, that would have been the first thing that they saw because the letters are really big. And in the reconstruction that it's, it's in all caps and it expands from her pinky finger to her thumb. So it's not like tiny and it's not easily missed. So I feel like if somebody saw her, they should have come forward or they would have come forward. Right. So and that just to me, like, your hands are something just people's hands in general. Like you see people's hands so often. And I know you said it was January, right? Yes. January 13th. Unless she had just recently gotten that tattoo and had been wearing gloves constantly because it was so that oh, cold. Yeah. That's a That's a possibility though. It I is, didn't think about that. But I just like, I'm saying unless that is what happened, like there's no way that nobody ever saw that tattoo on her. Yeah, true. But I, I didn't really think about that. Like maybe gloves or I don't know, maybe if her, like if she was used to wearing like baggier clothes or like bigger clothes and the sleeves yeah, like came down further. Sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Or maybe a coat. I don't know. Was she homeless? Maybe she wasn't in contact with that many people. I don't, I don't know. know. In 2018, singer Brandy Carlisle actually wrote a song about Fulton County Jane Doe. And like you said before, you know who Brandy Carlisle is. I don't really. What does she sing? Like what what genre does she sing? She kind of it's kind of indie. Um, it's like a very unique genre, but she's actually kind of branching out more into country right now. Like I know she's working on a project with Maren Morris and Dolly Parton. So okay. So I wanted to share some of the lyrics that went along with Fulton County Jane Doe because they just kind of really hit home and that she released this. I didn't, I haven't even heard it. So I was really shocked when I saw that she had written a song about a Jane Doe case. It's really not popular that country singers like this do this kind of thing. So I think it's a great way for people to learn about Jane Doe and her story. And maybe one day somebody can identify her just by listening and researching what this song means. So it said, we came into this life with nothing and all we're taking is a name. That's why I've written you this song. This is for Fulton County Jane. She closes the song with someone called you something sweet once. It was more than Fulton County Jane. So it definitely shines some light on the 30-year-old Fulton County Jane Doe case in hopes that someone would question what the song was about, like I said. Some sketches and reconstruction photos of the victim's face and tattoo were done by Carl Koppelman and David R. Wood. And I'll post those to our social media accounts as well and the link to the Doe Network page where you can find all of that information on Fulton County Jane Doe. So the last Jane Doe I'm going to talk about is the 2001 Jane of Jackson. This Jane has always stumped me. I remember being a kid and looking at missing, missing person cases and just wondering 
what this person's name was or if they had a family. I always remember this one and I think about her really often, especially doing this podcast. But maybe it's because this Jane was found in this little close-knit town where I grew up and went to school at, Commerce, Georgia. And a little bit about Commerce. So it's quite small and people often associate it with Tanger Outlets or the racetrack. But I feel like everybody sort of kind of knows everyone. A homicide is not something that people think of. And it rarely happens there, much less a woman's remains being unidentified for 18 years. It just doesn't happen. So on August 19th, 2001, a deputy with the Jackson County Sheriff's Office was working a wreck on I-85. A man involved in this incident goes to relieve himself in the woods. When he jumps over the guardrail, the man smells a foul odor and notices a decomposing, fully clothed African-American woman. Her toenails were painted blue while she wore a blue, white, and green no-boundaries halter top, size 3, no-boundary blue jeans, size 6, no-boundaries underwear, and one white sock on the right foot. Like the others, Jane of Jackson had some key features. Her front teeth were bulging out and she had a prominent front tooth gap. For me, this is key because not really many people I know have a front tooth gap. They often have braces to adjust this. So if I would have seen this or if someone, I feel like if anybody would have seen this, they would have remembered seeing that just because it's so prominent and it has so much character and you just, you don't see it a lot these days. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't don't know. I feel like that is such, such an identifying because like, I can't tell you anyone off the top of my head besides my three-year-old niece who has a gap between their front teeth Mm -hmm. Um, and I like I would remember seeing somebody with like a front front teeth gap you know what I mean exactly you just I don't know I it's just one of those things that you remember about people you know they're so charming though they are I think you said it last episode it just has they just have so much character yeah I don't know I, I like a good Good gap. I remember, and this is, we, I didn't say this in the last time that we recorded this episode. I used to want a front tooth gap really bad. And so I would like, I remember I would try to like stick something in between my front two teeth to try to like make them move. Oh my God, Ansley. So painful, but I used to do that when I was little. This is confession. So there's my confession. That is like, that is wild to me. I know. What? My orthodontist, like I had some really bad issues with my teeth when I was younger. Um, That's probably one of the reasons why I had to have braces as long as I did, because I would do things like that. This is confessions. (laughs) More confessions. So I, I think I've said it on here before. I've had braces twice. And after the first time I had braces, the braces actually created a gap between my front two teeth. And I was like, you know, I don't hate it. Like, it's not the worst thing. Like, I, I really like them. I really yeah, I do. Like, I was like, I don't think it looks that bad on me. And But then this, when I got the second set of braces, because the first set was just, I had eight braces on the top four and bottom four. I'm, I'm just giving you guys my dental history, basically, is what's happening right now. And then the second set, because I guess I don't even remember my front eight teeth looking that bad, but I guess they were. And so I had those fixed first and then it made that gap. And then I had a full set of braces the second time around and it like pushed my teeth back together. So I don't have one anymore, but it was You there. had a gap for a little bit. 
I did. And I didn't have to force anything in between my teeth. Yeah, I know. I'm a little embarrassed. Okay. It's okay. So, it's cute. It's it's a cute like childhood thing. Like I did some dumb shit as a kid. So I know. Maybe we'll have maybe we'll have an episode talking about dumb things that we did as kids. That would be a good one. So investigators estimated that she had been deceased from a range of three days to several weeks. They think her age was that between 15 to 24 years of age, and she would have stood anywhere from five foot one to five foot six inches. They were able to collect fingerprints, but they haven't come up with a match since. But like I said, I really wish that this Jane Doe would be identified. I feel like commerce has nothing like this happen. And I also, so another confession. Spend a lot of time on NamUs. I just do. It's something that I, I don't know. I feel like I am trying to play detective and do it myself. And there's also a book written about people who do this and use NamUs and the Doe Network. And they're just like armchair detectives. So I know that it's normal. Um, and when I find out the name I know of that, that book, it's normal. I know that it's normal. <laughs> I was a little bit freaked out because I was like, do normal people do this or just people who are obsessed with true crime? Um, but normal people do do this. Um, they might be a little slightly obsessed with true crime too, but I like to put in, I like to just pick one missing person and I'll go in and I'll do my little preferences on like to match up like their age, their date that they went missing or the last contact, like the ethnicity of them, um, male or female. And I'll try to see like if there's matching people in there. And I know that they've already done this, but it's just something that I like to do. Um, so I did that for the Jane of Jackson case. And the other day I was laying in bed and I was like, well, I think I saw this case. Like, I think I saw this case. There's someone that looks just like her. I even showed it to my dad at dinner the other night. And I was like, dad, I need you to look at this because I might have just solved a cold case. And that's like my biggest dream in the whole entire world is to solve a cold case. So I was really excited about it. So I went out on a limb and... My dad asked me, he was like, you know, have you reached out to anybody about this? Have you talked to anybody? And I was like, no, except for my boyfriend. And I'm pretty sure he's tired of listening to it. So, <laughs> he didn't care. I mean, he does care, but he's also like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, you don't care, do you? Like, you don't care that I just solved a cold case. He still loves me, though. I went out on a limb the other night, and I decided that I would message the sheriff about it. So I emailed her, and she sent me to Chief Deputy Steve Smith, and he is the investigator that works on the Jane Doe cases and John Doe cases in that area. So. I was like really scared because I was like, okay, now I have to talk to someone about this and they're going to think I'm so stupid for getting in their business, you know, like that feeling. And the next morning it was like nine o'clock in the morning and I got a phone call from him and I was like, hello. And he was like, Hey, is this Ansley? And I was like, yeah, this is she. And he was like, so I wanted to talk to you about this Jane Doe case. And I was like, this is like my biggest dream to talk about. I didn't say that, but in the back of my head, I was like, I just want to talk to somebody about a Jane Doe case that knows what I'm talking about. And so he told me that currently the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children had been checking that case and has 
always check that case. Whenever a new missing person comes in for a report for anything, they're always matched up to this Jackson of Jane case or Jane of Jackson case. And he told me that the likelihood of this being the missing person that I thought it was is unlikely because somewhere I had read in an article where the Jane of Jackson was actually older than she was. So I thought that she was in between the ages of 30 and 40 based on this article. And that's why I sent him the email or them the email. But actually, she is between the ages of 15 to um, her 20s. That wasn't going to be a match. But the resemblance of the photos, I mean, it's so scary how much they resemble each other. But he was confident that it wasn't a match. He also told me, and this made me feel really good because I always wonder about like, is this case just sitting in a box somewhere? Is it just sitting in a filing cabinet and nobody's touched it for forever? And he told me that this case is currently on his desk and has always been on his desk. And it is always checked when something comes in. And he said that he gets leads every two and a half months on this case alone. So that made me feel really good. I know that someone's always looking at it. Someone is taking care of it and is trying to find who this person is and know that she has a name and she has a family somewhere that she needs to be, her remains need to be issued this name and her family needs to have closure. So that made me feel really good. And I'm really happy that they're actively working on it and actively checking it with anything that comes in. So I didn't solve this cold case. I still want to, but it just makes me feel better that someone, a professional is doing it. And I'm happy about that. Yeah, no, that's like, super reassuring like definitely because and I think it's awesome that they even have a department dedicated to Jane and John Doe's you know exactly like, it just they when I just was had I guess the sheriff for Jackson is really proactive she's really really sweet and she really cares about these things so I know I know that it wasn't just sitting in a box like there's no way it was but it just it just reassures me that like these things are being taken care of and like they're really trying any effort. And the fact that the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children are still looking into it and are always looking into it when something comes in makes me rest easy at night just thinking about that. Because I I mean, I don't know about you, but missing cold cases and things like this are like my passion. I'm I get really into them. And I don't know, I don't know how somebody could go missing and a family not, you know, miss them, not know where they are. But I think yeah. I brought up like a point last time that It was with these cases. I mean, the 90s, the 80s, the 2000s. There's a lot of things that you didn't have. You didn't have technology. You didn't have social media. You didn't have cell phones. I mean, in the 80s. It's so sad that I've never lived in a world without cell phones. Um, (laughs) I kind of wish I did. But I don't know. I just, you don't have that like, hey, I'm going to so-and-so's, you know, like text you when I get there. You kind of just like, if you, if you didn't see them the next day, like they're fine. They're just doing something. You know what I mean? Like nobody really worried about it because everything was safe. It seems like, and you just would see them when they came back around kind of thing. So I don't know. I just, I have this little passion for these cold cases that I just, I want every one of them to be solved. If I could have one wish from a genie, it would be that every cold case would be solved. Oh, that's sweet that you would use a wish for that. I would. I just, It's like Cold Justice. Have you ever seen Cold Justice? No. Oh my goodness. Okay, it's the best. You need to go watch it on Netflix. It's really, really good. What is it about? It's about, um, dang, and I always remember her name until you just asked me. So it's like a retired, I think she's retired. 
used to be a prosecutor. And she goes to these small towns that don't have resources to dig into these cold cases. And she investigates them herself. She talks to people that have that were interviewed like 20, 30 years ago. And oftentimes they find that like when they interview these people all these years later, that they've like lost these loyalties that they had before to people. Like maybe people get divorced or they break up or they don't talk anymore or they used to be best friends and like they haven't seen each other in 20 years. So people are willing to talk about it and they just reopen it and they just interview everybody. And most of the time, some people confess. I've seen it like three or four times on that show. Some people confess to it. Some people bring out new information. Um, People start talking again and it's just a really good show to watch because they try to bring justice to all of these cold cases that have never been solved. So yeah, it's I think really I have good. to watch that. It's so um, good. But you said something that reminded me of something else, and um, so you're talking about being like an armchair detective and talking about how like is this normal? And it's like yes, it is. A whole bunch of people do it, but. I was just thinking, so, you know, I've like been trying to get you on the Veronica Mars thing and you tried it out. Basically, listeners, what you missed was Ainsley and I were talking about Veronica Mars because I love that show. I just finished the last season of it. And they also like just released the last season of it on Hulu and it was super good. And I love Kristen Bell and everything that she has ever done and probably ever will do. But Ansley tried to watch it. And if you don't know about Veronica Mars, the first three seasons are from the first time that the show ever aired. So it's like from, I guess, like early 2000s or whenever that came out. And the last season, they just filmed and put out in 2019. And Ansley started watching from season one and she didn't like it. So she turned it off. Yes. Yeah. Which I totally get because like, that's just not her thing, you know? But I love like old, like older shows like that. Like, old it was the early 2000s but you know what I mean like things not current you know because I think it's fun to see like the old styles like I don't know like freaking chokers and you know you know what I'm talking about like butterfly clips and yes all that sure all that good stuff but I told Ansley that she should just watch season four because it's not like they picked up where they left off from season three it's like they they had a big gap and picked up with a completely new storyline well not completely new some things are still the same and a lot of the characters are the same but I think figure all that out and like the relationships even if you only watch season four so now this is my sales pitch to you Ansley to get you to watch season four because so you're talking about armchair detectives well there is in season four, there's a group of people who are armchair detectives and they're called, they're called murder heads. Mm-hmm. And so when you said that, I was like, that's so funny. Ansley's a murder head. And then I was like, wait a second. She needs to watch season four. But oh my gosh. even more so, I think, I don't know. I put a little more meaning to it because I don't know if you know who Patton Oswalt is, but he is. Yes, of course I yeah. do. Oh my okay. gosh, Michelle McNamara. Exactly. So for those of you that don't know, he's an actor and he is like 
the head of this murder head club or whatever. And he, so he's like the lead armchair detective. But if you don't know who he is and kind of his relation to the true crime community, his late wife is the woman who wrote I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Michelle McNamara. So, yeah, I don't know. Wow. I was like, yeah. So, like, I just put a little more, it was almost like it meant more that he was like the leader of this like armchair detective club and you know I don't know so yeah so that's my pitch for you to like watch season four even if you don't watch the rest of it just watch season four (laughs) because that's the only season he's in okay I guess I will have to watch it but first I have to watch Mindhunters all over again because it comes (gasps) out on Friday oh my gosh like like two days Friday yes no, I'm not ready. Yes, I'm not ready either. Neither is Will. So. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so. So, we're not going to have a girl time segment um, for this episode. I feel like we've sprinkled it throughout the episode a little bit here and there because we went on some tangents and you guys learned a little bit about our childhoods and our dental histories. <laughs> and some other stuff (laughs) but um so yeah we you guys haven't had a good true crime episode from us in a while so we're just going to leave this one as a full true crime episode and next week we'll be back with our like normal what am I trying to say Ansley what we normal normal um we can't talk gosh you're look you're gonna have true crime and you're gonna have girl time next week got it great Got it. Good. Okay, guys, check us out on social media because we love to be a friend. And you can find us at True Crime Girl Time Podcast on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter at TCGT Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Just type it, type it in. You already know it. If you listen to us, you already know it. True Crime Girl Time Podcast. You got it. We also have a discussion group. You probably already know that. You're probably a part of it. If you aren't, you should be. Uh, we'll see you next week on episode 23. Yeah. All right, bye. Bye. Hopefully this one works.